Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining me. I am a coach and a hypnotherapist and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution. Thank you so much for listening today. I am really excited for this week's guest. It is a good friend of mine, Gemma Brady. Now, Gemma is a documentary maker, a creative mentor and founder of Sister Stories and she's dedicated her life to creating spaces for people to tell important stories be it on film in her writing or in their community and she really believes in the healing power of storytelling and the power of the generous act of both speaking and offering deep listening and she's had a 10-year career which has seen her create BAFTA award-winning content documentaries for places like Channel 4 most notably 24 hours in A&E And across her career, she's helped hundreds of individuals tell the most intimate, moving stories. And in 2017, Gemma created Sister Stories as a means of offering women an opportunity to come together and experience the transformative power of being seen and heard. And in this episode, we talk about Gemma's journey into doing this work and how we talk about how it wasn't necessarily the most natural thing in the world for her at first to lead these sharing circles we talk about why it's so powerful to share your story and to be witnessed and to be listened to and we discuss what actually happens at a sharing circle because I'm sure some of you might be wondering you know I've heard of this or I've never even heard of this and what actually happens what do people say and Gemma also shares the surprising things that she's learned about herself through this experience and it's really interesting to hear her thoughts on this Now, listen to the end of this episode. Gemma is offering a really amazing opportunity for people who feel like they might too want to lead sharing circles and to actually train with Gemma in how to lead these groups. And I've been to one of Gemma's circles and they're absolutely amazing. And as we discussed in the episode, lots of people report that it feels very magical to have that experience and so if you're interested in finding out more about training with Gemma to lead sister stories gatherings then listen to the end of the episode I'll post the link to her website um, in the show notes it's sisterstories.co so I really hope you enjoy this episode I adore Gemma she's a really good friend of mine she's one of the most loving and also the most intelligent people that I know and so I was really excited to have this conversation and be able to share it with you so hope you enjoy it and send you lots of love. Welcome Gemma, thank you so much for joining me, how are you doing? Really well thank you, yeah really well. Can you tell us what it is that you do and how you got to where you are today? Yes, so um, I always find it a little bit hard to describe what I do because I do multiple things but all of it centres around storytelling so my entire professional career I've been um, 
a documentary maker so I've been telling stories professionally and have made lots of films over the years um, about various things and have really sort of immersed myself in the craft of storytelling so that's one strand of my work and then the other strand of my work which is related is um, I run something called Sister Stories which is a women's sharing circle centred around storytelling and then the final strand is I'm training as a narrative therapist and working with people to use their stories as a way of healing things so all of that work feels like it's centred around the healing power of storytelling. Why is storytelling important? It's such a big question and such a simple one at the same time so the way I always think about it and there's been there's so much research to back this up is that stories the way we make sense of the world so all of the information we process it is um, constructed into some sort of narrative by our brains and that's how we that's how we navigate our lives but stories historically have been used as you know the, the sort of the fable or the myth they're constructed as a way of helping us understand how to navigate our lives and how to understand what it means to be human and how to learn from the mistakes that have gone before through consuming stories we learn what it means to be human and by i think by telling our stories there's something very liberating about being witnessed in the act of telling our own tale and i can't i haven't been able even though i've done this with people thousands of times i haven't been able to put my finger on what it is about being listened to telling your story but people have a really profound experience so in my television work when you sit people down on camera and you give them a space to tell their story they come away changed and I still don't know what that is and it's a really interesting thing and a lot of my work at the moment is working out why and what science can tell us and what you know anecdotal experience can tell us what's important there that's fascinating I suppose in in talking therapy you're you're telling a story and and hopefully your therapist is listening with acceptance and just giving you that space to say that and I'm thinking about things like the the Hindu texts and the Bible where they're using stories throughout to send a deeper message about morality or life and it seems like we just really resonate and can learn from stories in that way yeah and I think that um there's this I think we need to we get you very used to consuming them but I also think we need to produce them and we're producing them all the time in our daily lives um by well basically by speaking anytime we tell a tale of any kind we're sort of telling a story but um it's this it's this sort of dance between being a consumer and a producer of stories that I think is really important for people in normal life and I was reading something recently that really fascinated me which is that at Harvard Medical School they have an in-house storyteller which is someone who uh, I think actually not a storyteller I think they're called a story therapist or something and they come and they sit with patients who are really really ill and they give them the space to tell their stories and they're using it as a medical tool wow so rather than just like sticking a patient from the television as part of their healing and being that consumer they're actually encouraging people to actively talk their stuff out but not within a traditional therapy context within just we're here just listening to your you and your life it's really interesting wow wow when i think of telling stories and i wonder if we've had this conversation before about the incorrect stories that we tell ourselves almost as though we have I don't know with a story that I'm a victim or this story that I I'm always going to be abandoned or something like that and is there I remember you saying something about changing those stories is that part of what you do yeah so in um 
going back to this idea that we make sense of our lives through telling stories, in our minds all the time we're constructing our own narratives. And all a narrative is, is a piecing together of different bits of information to make a cohesive strand. So if you've got um, all of these different possibilities of who you are as an individual, you're really stringing together your identity by linking certain bits of information that you then weave into a narrative thread and say, this is who I am. And there's the way that those threads can be weaved can go in so many different directions. So in narrative, I mean, narrative therapy came out of the idea that we can, we can change those pathways and those threads and quite literally construct a different story about ourselves, which sounds quite, um, it sounds quite crude as a, you know, like just change the story. And you hear that on, you know, there's lots of sort of Instagram memes about (laughs) changing the story we tell about ourselves, but it's actually a really rich and quite nuanced process about making small changes to the way we think about ourselves. There's, I think there's, par- there's parallels with CBT and that, that world, but it's a really powerful, it's a really powerful tool to quite literally be able to re, sort of recalibrate all of the information about yourself that's in your head. And you're not changing the information or the facts, you're just seeing it in a slightly new set of um, sort of story points. Mm. Um, and I've, you know, I've done it my, myself and it really, it really helps. Yeah. Like a story I have is that I can't, um, that I can't like doing something like this podcast or being on this podcast and being heard is like a terrifying thing and I always think I'm not the kind of person who does that and I've had to do this whole thing about kind of changing the story about well why not and maybe it could be and you've done it in the past you know trying to Mm. rewire my own story about that has been really powerful and here we are (laughs) that's amazing love that I was reading something recently about how in order to save energy our brains just revert back to the past and these old stories, for example, and we don't actually take in our lives as fresh and new experiences. We're just going back to this old story because actually it's easier to do that. Our brains are always trying to conserve energy. Mm. And so actually maybe we need to either change the story or just get better at taking things as they are rather than this old narrative. Can you tell us about your first experience with a sharing circle? I, a couple of years ago, I had this idea to set up a a storytelling circle for women, which was born out of um, sitting normal people down in an interview space for documentaries and seeing how profound it was to tell their stories. So I had this curiosity about like, what would it be like to do this with normal people and how might that work? And had all of these sort of vague notions and decided to set up an experiment called Sister Stories, um, which was a women's storytelling space. And that was the first time that I'd ever been in that kind of space. So I sort of set up this event, not quite knowing how it would work as an experiment. And people came and they shared their stories and it was really powerful. And subsequently after that, I realised that this was like a whole (laughs) massive lineage and tradition of people coming together in circle to tell stories in that way and it's quite funny when I think that well I thought I'd invented this thing (laughs) it was like really ancient but um there was something very intuitive about it I just sort of almost knew what the formula should be and how the evening should run and um that was my first experience just leading one and trying it out and using my background in you know I trained in various in various uh disciplines to get me to that point so it wasn't like I just without you know irresponsibly brought together a group of people and opened them up I'd done lots of training to get to that point but in terms of a sharing circle I'd never been in that kind of format before and didn't really know that they existed 
but it, but you later found out that it is an ancient practice. Yeah. People have been sitting around the fire telling <laughs> stories, makes... I guess. For... When you put it, it makes so much sense because that's what it feels like. You've got something at the centre and you come together in this really simple way and just talk and listen and share. And it is ancient. And as soon as I did it, it awoke something in me that, you, that felt like, oh God, of course, this is perfect. This is what we should be doing. Um, but there's a, there's a kind of speaking and listening in that space that we're not used to in normal life. So it feels very ritualized and it can feel a little bit alien if you're not used to it. But there's so much richness there because it allows a deeper level of conversation than we might get if we just went out with our friends for dinner. Or, you know, there's something powerful about being in a room with, with strangers and sharing that intimate experience of speaking and listening in that ancient way. So, yeah, people that don't know you're, don't know you already and be able to kind of have a clean slate with people who haven't maybe got judgments or their own preconceptions about you or yeah or people you know who mm-hmm. will learn something about you afresh you know the, the kinds of things that come out in that space are very very different to the kinds of things that might come out in normal conversation because the invitation is to drop into a different way of being and to um to sort of go down the layers of what we would normally talk about and go down and go down and go down until we get to a layer of truth that you might not otherwise share with people and that can feel really precious. So I know I have people who've come to the circles who know each other quite well already and discover they, the relationship slightly changes and they discover something new about their friends. That's fascinating. I bet there's lots of people, I know there is, that this kind of sharing would seem quite alien. People mm. that grow up in families where we don't talk about feelings, we, mm. sweep, we sweep everything under the rug, or maybe people listening that grew up in a family where their family were really loud and they were the quiet one and they didn't get a chance to speak or they've got friends but the, the, the conversations never go to that deeper level which is surprisingly common I think I've, I've spoken about this before about how when I meet up with my friends we can the conversation can easily be quite superficial even though we're very close and actually getting to that deeper level of how are you really you know mm. you say you're fine but how are you really kind of doesn't always happen in every situation so to have that opportunity to go deeper with people Mm. important I, I think it's just worth saying that it doesn't um it doesn't come naturally to me to do that um so that's one of the reasons it feels important for me to put myself in this situation because it's not I feel um I think that there's a real narrative in society now around sharing or oversharing and there's you know on social media there's, there's lots of wonderful vulnerability that's shared but that's quite it's a very public forum to do it in and sometimes it can be a bit performative as well, you know, that there's there's almost like performative vulnerability where people feel like they have to open up publicly and show their wounds. And there's absolutely a place for that. And it's really important that people tell their stories publicly. But also, I really believe in there being sort of semi-public spaces where you are witnessed and you're seen, but it's really, it's private. And there's a small group of people there and nothing leaves that room. And you don't have to be doing it in front of however many thousand people online all the time it can we need it to happen privately as well so for those people who are like oh I'm not used to this or that sounds awful Mm. being in that really intimate space first which as I say just would be my worst nightmare at some stages of my life is a really helpful place to start because there's only like maybe eight or nine people there you can really get into the experience together yeah I can say certainly from my own experience that when I first started having therapy even opening up to my therapist was the most hideous awkward thing I'd ever experienced I found it excruciatingly difficult and when I first started going to sort of I don't know circles or events where you're sharing I found it 
difficult and would get nervous every single time and still there's a nervousness I think that comes with speaking in front of people or sharing things that maybe you haven't told people before and I think experiencing that nervousness is almost part of the the kind of specialness of it to come out the other side and to be met with that acceptance and to to know that you can be vulnerable and get through it and it's okay I think is a powerful lesson in itself mm. but why um why do you think these sharing circles are so powerful what's what things have you seen or learned that have surprised you or interested you it's really interesting with um the sister stories events that I run when I ask people about their experience I would say it's a really curious thing that happens about 80 or 90 percent of people who come who enjoy it use the word magic to describe it and um, I think what they mean by magic is that you are you're in this experience for 90 minutes two hours it's quite a short amount of time but what happens there is throughout the course of the evening you you understand something new about humanity we almost like it's I feel like in the circle we like rise above our everyday lives and almost have this aerial perspective of what it means to be human you get connected back to big universal themes that um, uplift you and inspire you and you know we've been talking about sharing quite uh challenge difficult things and actually what's shared in circle often is quite light-hearted or fun or it doesn't have to be your deepest darkest secret that's not what it's about it's simply about hearing other people's experiences and connecting to those that makes you understand on a much deeper level what it means to be human and it's like going to see a really good film you know when you come out of the cinema and you just you just feel everything because you've you've taken a couple of hours to connect to your humanity or like in the old days like you know like throughout the history of storytelling in Greek tragedy the notion of catharsis was that you know the story would build to a point in which the audience had a really profound moment of shifting or healing because they were connected to something bigger than themselves um by which I mean the entirety of humanity it's not like a divinity thing it's like a being human so that's what seems to happen and that sounds really really big but it happens through a really small set of things in the room it's curious it's like a weird alchemy of stuff I don't know how it works but it's really special magic magic (laughs) sounds good to me sign me up um what actually happens then because I think for people listening might be wondering so it's a sharing circle it's to do with storytelling it feels like magic but what actually happens or what do people talk about without sharing obviously Mm. people's personal stories well there's many different types of circles so it depends what kind you go to so in um sister stories which I lead there's a there's a really really simple format it's so simple that it's almost indescribable um when you're not in it but really the invitation is you're you know you come into a circle space with a group of women there might be it's quite a small group intentionally so nine or ten people and the person leading there'll be an invitation to think about what you want to give voice to and you're led through a short meditation and then the circle's opened for sharing and then people people take a talking piece and they talk about whatever might be on their mind and it will throughout the course of an evening will jolt between hilarity and people sharing really funny things and moving things and a theme will naturally emerge purposefully I don't set a theme because I think that's quite um it, it sort of limits the experience of sharing. I think that there's something really terrifying when you open a circle wide open and nobody knows what anyone else is going to say and we all don't know what our experience will be. But as a group, you sort of feel your way through the evening and then 
leave feeling lighter. I don't know. I, I find it really hard to describe. And that's one of the things where this sort of magic comes in. But there's, it's not a complicated experience. And I think it's worth saying that as someone who's naturally quiet, um, I always think it's really important to say that you can come and you don't need to say anything at all. You can just sit and listen. And that's really, really important. Um, I used to hate the idea of going to anything where I'd have to speak publicly, even if publicly only means a handful of people. That would have been terrifying to me. So you can just you, you can get the experience without necessarily contributing. Although most people who think they're not going to say anything come and then actually find it, find themselves opening up. But that's a choice. That's like a slow opening that happens throughout mm. the course of the event. Um, and I've been to many different circles. Some which are themed, some which are not. Some which have you know different practices to help you open up. And the, the, I think at the heart of them lie the simplicity of coming together in this ancient way of sitting like round the campfire as humans mm. Mm. just a reflection from things that I've experienced in the past is that when people are sharing it's almost as if I can relate to everything yeah. that people are saying yeah. their might, life might be totally different to mine but the themes are very much the same the themes of the, the universal themes that we all have like doubt and you know worry or insecurity or all of these things and I think for people who feel no, I imagine there might be people feeling like I don't have a story or what would I say you know my what I have to say isn't worth something and actually we all we all have a story no one doesn't and it's amazing how much we can relate to what people say and how powerful that is it's that's a really important distinction actually I use the word story kind of tentatively because I think people think that they have to come and like tell a story in a really majestic fashion and actually what I mean by my definition of story is um making sense of our experience through speaking it aloud I suppose that's the best way I can describe it and you don't have to say anything profound so I found myself once saying I really want a dog and this is my experience with animals (laughs) (laughs) and it opened up so I've just bashed your microphone uh it opened up this whole (laughs) conversation about people's experiences of having animals throughout their life and what it meant to them and it felt really a really special conversation but it doesn't have to be anything profound at all um and you don't have to come and tell your life story that's not what it's about and I think yes the story is a means of making sense of our experiences the best way of describing Mm. it because you're right it's not you don't have to have anything particular to say um and it's not you have to stand on a stage or say anything it's not one of those kind of storytelling events so you don't have to prepare a script with a beginning no script and then, you know, protagonist <laughs> absolutely not I can't think of anything worse actually it fills me with dread just thinking about it what, what do you think is the the usefulness of this in modern times given that we are so disconnected from each other in lots of ways and levels of loneliness particularly amongst young women that's actually the highest we, we often think of loneliness affecting older people but it's actually young women that are the most impacted so what what's the usefulness of this do you feel right now it's such an it feels to me a really important time for us to preserve in real life connection and one of the most important things to me about sister stories and the community of people across the UK who are starting to lead circles in their area is this in real life connection because I feel like so much we have the illusion of being connected to so many people and we can be you know, hyper-connected through our screens and have a sense that we're in conversation with people all the time. I mean, how many of your friendships are, like, mediated through WhatsApp? It's quite terrifying, yeah. you know, or, you know, the Inst- I have a wonderful Instagram network, but 
I don't see many of these people. So I really, really feel, I really believe strongly in the importance of coming together in the flesh because physiologically it's good for us, mentally it's good for us. And there's something very primal about sitting in a space with other human beings and connecting with no alcohol, with no, you know, not over food, not at that superficial level you were talking about earlier, really, um, really allowing ourselves to sort of strip back to a really basic level of humanity that needs needs to sit in a room with other bodies and other heartbeats and just be together and it's so simple and yet so important and certainly in my life um when I was younger I, you know I went I was a raised Catholic and I used to go to church all the time and I had places in my community where I would go regularly and I'd know the people there and there was a level of ritual to it and it felt really special and when I moved away from the Catholic Church in older life I realized I didn't have any places to gather and you know there's lots depending on your religious background and and where you live and all those things you may still have that community but there's a portion of people in society who don't and I feel like we need them we need little pockets of people and places where we can go and just be with people it's really important absolutely and I think even people who maybe have had their community or their group of close friends things start to change as you get into your late 20s and 30s some people have children some people move move away and because of those life changes we end up maybe spending more time on our own or not having those close people nearby Mm. so it's even more important I'm also thinking about introverts and how we as introverts prefer to have those deeper conversations rather than small talk and actually this is something like sister stories is facilitating the the kind of the deeper nourishing conversations that introverts probably need and maybe they do have lots of I mean we have conversations at work or networking and it might be quite superficial and for an introvert that's very difficult and we need the more nourishing deeper chats I think I don't know how to do small talk anymore it's really bad <laughs> I need to relearn but I, I discovered an interesting thing last year I always thought I was an introvert because I need a lot of time on my own. I'm like, you know, I, I crave alone time when I've been around people. And working in the television industry for so many years, it's a really full-on environment. You're with people all the time. So last year, I spent six months where I was, I was working primarily on my own. And it was the first time I'd never worked in a team. And I didn't realise how important it was to me to have somewhere to go every day, like a workplace, and to be around people all day. And I realised that I was more extroverted than I thought. And... That was the first time that I've really experienced loneliness, I think, because I I wasn't interacting with people outside. You know, there was a lot of emails and a lot of texts, but I wasn't seeing people day to day. Um, and having space, you know, having the Sister Stories community and making having other places that I can go to and connect to people was my lifesaver because I need I need to be working alongside other people. And I need to be in communion with other people every day. I go a bit mad I think mm, mm, yeah no I, I feel the same actually because I will spend quite a lot of time working writing at home and it's not always the best thing for mental health to be on your own a lot I think we do need to get out every day maybe you're an ambivert Gemma I might be an ambivert I think between. I might be yeah I think I'm I might thinking, be because there's all different you could be a you can be a shy extrovert you can be an introverted extrovert there's all different mixtures We'll have to do a test later. We need to do a test. Okay. <laughs> can you can you share what what this process of set, setting up these sharing circles has been like for you? Have you what have you learned about yourself? I always find before I 
run a circle, I'm absolutely paralysed by fear. And um, having a group of people turn up, and bearing in mind that the way that you facilitate a circle is very light touch, so it doesn't require lots of talking as a facilitator. All it requires you to do is to hold this, to open up the space and hold the space. But even that beginning moment where you have however many set, eight sets of eyes on you and the expectation fills me with so much dread. <laughs> it's just really against my nature to do anything like that. And through showing up again and again and again and again to do this work, even when I didn't want to, and having an amazing experience when I did do it, it just taught me to not take fear so seriously. You know, like there's something about that impulse that I have not to do the thing and then to push through it, but not in a kind of self-flagellating pushing through it, but more kind of connecting to the, the well, connecting to my beliefs about why this work is important and letting that override fear has really helped like now I can talk without my voice shaking I can I can sort of dance with fear a bit more and that's been huge because I I remember the first probably the first 10 or so that I did I would be like a leaf I'd be shaking like a little leaf um which I suppose is quite helpful to people who are in the circle who might have the same experience but it's really been an interesting thing about sort of going against your impulses to protect yourself which often can be a really helpful thing to follow because those impulses exist for a reason but to me it's been it's really broken through my fear and also showed me that you can ha- you can be have a really gentle style of leadership you don't need to be like a jazz hands person you don't need to be really confident or up on stages you can stand for something in the world that you believe in in a really gentle way and that's been quite it's been quite a beautiful experience i love that i love that idea of taking your fear less seriously as well we we could all do with a bit of that i think don't do it all the time <laughs> it has helped it yeah. has helped yeah. you know Liz Gilbert has this if you in Liz Gilbert's big magic she talks about um she has this conversation with fear in, in relation to creativity where she's like you fear you can come along with me in the car but you're not allowed to drive I love that like it's a constant companion this mm. fear and it's up to you how seriously you take what it says and I often think of that image of like you know Liz Gilbert having a little word with her fear and telling it it's not allowed to um it's not allowed to touch the radio it's not allowed to read the map and it certainly can't drive <laughs> that that's st- part of that book really stuck in my mind as well actually I think that's brilliant I'm really glad you've said that because I think it's so easy to look at people who are leading a group or on the telly or on the stage and to think they've got it all figured out they don't experience any fear you know, it's just easy for them. I'm not like that. I could never do anything like that because I feel scared. And actually this acknowledgement that it's okay to feel scared. It's okay to mm. to be shaking and to still do it anyway. And to know that you can survive doing something scared. You can come out the other side. And actually that's how you grow your confidence and grow your ability to be able to speak and to then not have a shaking voice and seeing yeah. your progress. And just an invitation for people listening to know that whatever you're scared of it's you're not the only one that feels afraid that might sound too obvious to say but just as a reminder because I think I've I've definitely felt like that of I feel scared to do this everyone else is sorted and I'm the only one but it's definitely not the case it's so true I think that applies to pretty much everything you were talking earlier about um what we've sort of what I've learned through doing sister stories and this applies to my documentary work as well I just feel like when you look beneath the surface of a person there's so much stuff going on that um by listening to other people talk about 
how they're feeling and what they're going through it just connects you to such a level of compassion one for other people but two for yourself like god everyone has these fears and these doubts and all of this surface level stuff bubbling away and that's a really helpful thing to remember because often we just look at the surface and again it's a really obvious thing to say but it's really important to remember and it's very easy to forget particularly in the social media world you know you the curated images that we all know are not the truth and yet we still compare and worry and tie ourselves up in knots about how we perceive other people's lives to be hearing the real version of what's going on is really important too so knowing that we're not alone and I suppose as well when you share something that you're ashamed of so I don't know you share in a circle that you feel afraid about something and then other people say actually you know what I felt that as well and that takes the shame away I think Mm. because you realize oh, you know, it's not that much of a big deal. Lots of other people feel this way as well. And I think it's Brene Brown who says, um, shame can't survive being spoken. Yes. So just saying it out loud, being met with that acceptance is amazing. And the more, I've done a podcast that was just about shame, but I think it's the root cause of a lot of our unhappiness because we feel that we're bad or we're wrong or we're broken or there's something uniquely flawed about us and actually so it's not the case no it's not the case at all so is there anything else that you want to add just about sister stories that you think is important to to say I'm I don't know it's interesting to try and talk about this thing that I think can only be experienced um so I if anyone's got any curiosity about what this stuff is like I'd encourage people to go and try and find a space like this in their area to see how they connect to it and obviously for any men listening because I think this podcast is about 20% men it's mostly women but there are men there are lots of men's circles Mm. as well it's not just for women and for men it's equally if not more important to have this space Mm. to open up and to share and so for any men listening or for women whose partners maybe need that support or need to get things off their chest that the brotherhood the, Mm. the connection we need you know, men need that and women need the sisterhood equally. Where can people find out more about what you do and what you're offering? So um, the best place to find out more about Sister Stories is at sisterstories.co. That's our website. And um, I'm on Instagram, Gemma Brady, where I share, Gemma Brady underscore, sorry, where I share a lot about what we're doing at Sister Stories. And in the, in the last six months, um, I've started to invite women into learning to facilitate circles in their local area because what I want to try and build is a network of women doing this work in their local community because different communities have different needs and different women can reach different proportions of the population and, and you know we're building a network nationwide of people doing this work who are supported by one another so if you're interested in finding out about training to do that I'm running some in March so in March that the training is about learning to lead a circle learning how to hold space yeah learning how to hold space and um practice that gentle that gentle leadership I was talking about earlier there's a particular it takes a particular set of skills to be able to hold space for people in that way and to invite people into talking and listening in that way so it's something that I'm really encouraged I'm really enthusiastic about encouraging people other people to learn amazing and on your website you have sister stories events that you run but also that are all over the country yeah. as well and soon to be all over the world yeah amazing yeah so you can see that on the website if you fancy 
joining and I definitely recommend it. I think it's incredibly powerful and very much needed in our modern times and particularly for people with anxiety to have that space to, to share and to listen and to know that we're not alone. Mm. So thank you so much, Gemma. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear what you thought of this episode. Come over to Instagram, find me at Chloe Brotheridge and you can find Gemma at Gemma Brady underscore. Let us know what you thought of this episode. If you share it with a friend, don't forget to tag both of us and I would love it if you would share it with others. If you think that there are other people that would benefit from this episode, you could send them an email or screen grab this podcast and WhatsApp it to them but I would so, so appreciate your support in spreading the word. Thank you so much. And if you want to hear from me, I send out a newsletter once a week. I give tips and insights and freebies on the newsletter that I don't give out on other platforms. So if you want to get in on the things that I only share on my email, you can come on over to karmayou.com forward slash free and sign up at the link there to get my emails. Anyway, lots of love. Thanks so much for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.